Brian Yavamos, Kuf Yud, Amr Aleph, 110a, beginning a new Mishnah. And so again, this uh, parak, this chapter has been discussing Kedushe Kitana, uh, the marriage of a Kitana, of a minor, and the various ramifications. And so now we are going to discuss that, bring it back to Yibum, uh, to the discussion of Yibum. Uh, with a katana, with a minor, um, and also with uh, another case, which is also going to be the major topic of the next chapter, which is a chareshes, a woman who is deaf-mute, and in that case also uh, her marriage is not on a biblical level, it's only on a rabbinic level if she's a, if she's a deaf-mute, which we'll discuss in greater detail in the next chapter. Uh, but really what we're going to discuss here is in the context of Yibam and Chalitza, uh, what are the various halachos? So let's begin the new Mishnah. Kitanos. So let's say there's a person, uh, Yaakov is married to uh, two minors. It's a rabbinic marriage, Vimes, and then he dies. So And the brother, Yaakov's brother, has to do Yibam Rechalit. So we say, It's like a regular case. Even though it's, all, it's, it's only a rabbinic requirement to do Yibam in this case, uh, because the ma- whole marriage is only on a rabbinic level, but uh, doing yibum with one of the co-wives, she's married to two women, doing with one uh, exempts the other one, which is just the general rule that we've had in this entire tractate, uh, in this entire Masechta, that uh, just doing yibum to one would work, and it exempts the other one. The chen shtei and the same halacha would apply, the same law would apply, if it's not two women, he's not married to two women who are under the age of 12, but he's married to two women who are a chareshes, who is, they're deaf and mute, um, and as such, uh, they they cannot perform a biblical marriage, um, because they don't have the proper knowledge, which we'll discuss uh, in a bit, uh, but they, they could perform, the rabbi said that it could work on a rabbinic level, so the same thing would apply, that if you do yibam or chalitza to one, it would exempt the other one, because they're on the same playing field. However, Let's say he's married to two different types of rabbinic marriages. One is a minor. The other one is a chareshes, is a deaf mute. So even though they are both on a rabbinic level, but as we will see in the Gemara, not in this recording, but in the next recording, uh, they are different types of rabbinic marriages. They're not really the same. They're very, very, seemingly very different uh, types of rabbinic marriages. And as such, doing yibum to one doesn't necessarily exempt what you do to the other because it's it, it it's just a different form of a marriage as the Gemara will explain. It's, uh, the Gemara will explain this in greater detail, but it won't work for the other one, and so therefore you really have to find some sort of solution, which the Gemara will explain um, when we get to it. What exactly do you do if he's married to two different women on a rabbinic level? Uh, one of them is a minor, the other one is a chareshes, is a deaf mute. And then we have the next case in the Mishnah, Pikachas v'chareshes, b'yasa pikachas, b'teres ha'chareshes, v'yim b'yasa ha'chareshes, b'teres ha'chareshes, if he's married to two women, one of them is a chareshes, is a deaf mute, it's a rabbinic marriage, the other one is a regular marriage on a biblical level, so in that case, because it's, one is on a biblical level, one's on a rabbinic level, so if you do yibam or chalitza with one who's a reg, just a regular adult, uh, a woman who's a regular adult, so that's on a biblical level, so if you do yibam or chalitza, that will exempt the co-wife, However, if you do Yibam Rechalitza to the one that's only on a rabbinic level, it makes sense that it won't exempt the one who is uh, obligated to do Yibam Rechalitza on a biblical level, because you only fulfill it on a rabbinic level. 
it won't exempt the biblical marriage. And similarly, Similarly, um, if it's if he's married, the Yaakov is married to two women. One of them is an adult; the other one is a minor. It's a rabbinic marriage because she's a minor. So then, uh, having uh, doing performing yibum or chalitza with the adult, which is on a biblical level, that will exempt the co-wife, who's only married on a rabbinic level. But to do it in the other way around, to do yibum or chalitza to the katana to the minor, that will not uh, exempt the co-wife, who is on a biblical level from doing Yibam Rechalitza, because they're still required to do something on a biblical level. Okay? So we had all these different cases. We had the cases of where Yaakov, the brother who passes away, is married to, uh, on a rabbinic level, to two minors, to two deaf mutes. That's all, those are cases where it's all on the same level there. The regular rule applies of once you do Yibam Rechalitza to one, it exempts the other co-wife. Then we discussed what happens if it's two different types of rabbinic marriages. One of them is a katana, is a minor. The other one is a deaf mute. So then it doesn't exempt the other one because it's not equal. It's, even though they're both rabbinic marriages, they're not exactly equal. And then the last cases that we discussed is what happens if you have a case where one wife is rabbinically married, the other wife is biblically ma- is married on a biblical level. And so in that case, we said that if you do Yibra Chalitza to the one that's married on a biblical level, that will exempt the co-wife who's married on a rabbinic level. But in the other way around, to do something, to do Yibam Rechalitza to the one that's rabbinically married will not impact the co-wife who is married on a biblical level. That is the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, the Gemara will really discuss, as we'll see, one topic. But it's going to get a little uh, complicated with the details. But we'll see it in a second. What's that topic? The Gemara asks, The Mishnah said that if we have two, if he's married to two women who are deaf-mute, so then you could do Yibam Rechalitza. Is that really true? Is it true that you could do chalitza to somebody who's deaf-mute? If she's deaf-mute, that means she cannot speak. If she cannot speak, when it comes to chalitza, v'atanan, chalitza We said that whether he is deaf-mute or whether she's deaf-mute, or, <coughs> excuse me, or if he is a minor, he's, a, he's a, under the age of 13, it doesn't work. The reason why it doesn't work is that part of the process is that they have to say something out loud. And even though, in general, we say that part, even if that part is not required, but it still has to be, we, we've discussed this in the past, it, is still, it only will only work, Chalitza will only work if it's somebody who has the ability to say it. Even if they don't actually say these words, but they have to have the ability to say these words. They have to have the ability to talk. But if he or she, whether it's the brother-in-law or the sister-in-law, they cannot talk, they are deaf-mute, so then the Chalitza will not work. That's what we had earlier. So how could our Mishnah here say, that a cheresh or a chereshes, if she or he is deaf-mute, so then it will work uh, to do chalitza. We said earlier that it won't work to do chalitza. They have to have the ability to speak. So the Gemara gives two answers. The first answer is Amr of Gidol, Amr of Abiyah. Very simple answer. The Gemara first answer is, you're right, she cannot do chalitza. When the Mishnah said you could do chalitza or yibum, it wasn't talking about that case. It was talking about the other cases, but it wasn't talking about the case of where it is a chareshes, where she's a deaf-mute. I.e., this answer is saying, you were right the whole time. Somebody who's a deaf-mute uh, cannot do chalitza. Very simple. The second answer is what makes things complicated. Rava Amar Rava says, no, it depends. It depends... Even if she's a chareshes right now, at the time of the chalitza, she's deaf-mute, 
It really depends how she entered into her original marriage. Again, she was married, her husband died, and now she has to do even Merchalitza. And so Rava says, well, what was her status at the time of the original marriage to the brother who passed away? If she was a Chareshes at the time of her marriage, she was deaf-mute at the time of her marriage, well, that marriage itself is only a rabbinic marriage. If that marriage is a rabbinic marriage, so then we will also say that just like she was able to enter into that marriage without really talking, just through signaling alone, but without talking, so so too she could do chalitza. It's all on a rabbinic level anyway. She could do chalitza through signaling. However, and, and that's and that's the case of our Mishnah. However, when we said earlier that she cannot do chalitza, that was talking about a case where when she was originally married, it was on a biblical level. On a biblical level, she was married because at the time of her marriage, when she accepted the marriage, she was not a deaf mute. She was healthy, and she was not a deaf mute. And as such, her marriage is on working on a biblical level. If her marriage is working on a biblical level, then she cannot back out. She cannot do chalitza uh, through just signaling and through signs uh, without speaking. She has to have the ability to speak. And so this answer is essentially saying that there is a case where somebody who's deaf-mute, if she's deaf-mute, she could do chalitza. And that case is where as long as she entered into the marriage originally as a deaf-mute, and she, the whole marriage itself was only on a rabbinic level, so then she could also leave as a deaf-mute, and she could leave through signaling, because all of it is on a rabbinic level anyways. And so that's the second answer. Now this second answer for the rest of the Gemara will be questioned. We'll try to bring different proofs back and forth. These are proofs are really they're really coming from... The next chapter, the next chapter discusses a marriage of uh, somebody who's deaf-mute. And so we're tr- going to try to d- bring different proofs. Now these proofs, they do get very detailed, uh, but they're, they're going to try to bring proofs from these, these various uh, lines. But that's really the essence of, of uh, what we're focusing on here in, uh, in this part of the Gemara. Essentially, there were two different opinions. One opinion says that a Haresh, somebody who's deaf-mute, can never do Chalitza. The other opinion said, no, she could do Chalitza provided that when she entered into her original marriage, the marriage with the brother who passed away, with her husband who passed away, uh, she was also a Chareshis at that time, if she was deaf-mute at that time, so then she could, in fact, do Chalitza. So let's see the various questions on this opinion. Is it really true that if she was a Chareshis, she was deaf-mute the whole time at the beginning of her original marriage, that she could do Chalitza? Vatnan. But we have in the next chapter the following Mishnah. Uh, so the Mishnah says that we have a case where you have two brothers and they're married to two women. They're not related. They're not sisters, these two women. They're married to two women. One of them is healthy uh, and can speak and can hear. And the other one is, a, and, and sorry, uh, one couple, both he and she uh, could speak and hear. The other one, both the husband and the wife, they are both a cherish. They are both deaf mute, both of them. And the Mishnah goes through the different scenarios of potentially for Yibam, what happens if the husband dies in either for either couple. And the point is, is that uh, the, uh, the Mishnah says that let's say the husband who was deaf-mute dies. And so now his wife is, uh, is also deaf-mute. So what does the uh, brother do? 
It says the brother, all he could do is yibam. It says all he could do is yibam. And once he does yibam, so he can't do chalitza, all he could do is yibam. And once he does yibam, so then if they want to get divorced, they could get divorced. But he has no option for chalitza. If the, just to finish off the Mishnah, if the husband uh, who, who was able to speak, he dies, and his wife is also able to speak, but because um, the brother who is now alive is a deaf mute, so he can only do yibam, he can't do chalitza either. So the Gemara says, The point is, in the end of the day, aren't we dealing here with a case where um, where she was a charesha, she was deaf-mute from the original, from the beginning of the marriage, she was deaf-mute, just like he was deaf-mute, she was deaf-mute. This existed already from the beginning of the marriage, and yet we see from our Mishnah that she's not allowed to do chalitza. The only thing that you're allowed to do is yibum. So this seems to be a proof against our second answer, against Rava, who said that if she was a rabbinic marriage the whole time, she was a deaf mute the whole time, then you could, she could do chalitza. We see here that she can't do chalitza. She has to do yibam. So the Gemara answers, no, don't make such an assumption. The cases were no, where uh, she was healthy at the time and she was able to speak and to hear uh, at the time of the marriage and later on she became a charashas. And you have to sort of make that uh, assumption within within the Mishnah. But and that's how he will respond. That's how Rava will respond. But really, if she was a Chareshes, she was deaf-mute from the whole time, from the beginning of the marriage, she really could do Chalitza. Okay, that was potential rejection number one. Now, potential rejection number two. Tashma, from the same Mishnah, we have the following proof from the next chapter. Very similar situation. Uh, over here, we also have two brothers who are married to two women. Both brothers in this case are 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 able to speak and they're able to hear. Uh, they're they're able to speak. Um, they're one of them is married. Uh, to also somebody else who could speak in here. The other one is married to a chareshes, to a deaf mute. And so we say, well, if the chareshes, the deaf mute, she becomes, uh, her husband passes away, so the only thing you could do is yibam. You can't do chalitza. You're not allowed to do chalitza. She's a deaf mute. But if uh, it's in the other direction, the, the, the woman is is able to speak and and, uh, uh, and listen and hear, uh, so then she could do either Yibam or Chalitza. But the point is, the reason why we're quoting this is because we see that if she's a Chareshes, she's somebody who's not able to speak, and she falls to Yibam, she's not allowed to do Chalitza. We require her to do Yibam. So we say here also, Don't we say here, just like he was um, always able to speak, the husband is a husband who's always able to speak and to listen, so too maybe she was always, this is a better proof, because she was always able, she was always deaf-mute, She's not allowed to do chalitza. The Gemara says, "No, midiari hagidisa vagidisa." No proof from there. That case also is a case where she changed when she got married. She was originally able to hear and to speak, and so therefore it's a biblical marriage. But it's true. If it were to be a different case where she entered into the marriage as a chareshes, as somebody who's deaf mute, and it's only a rabbinic marriage, so then she's also allowed to do chalitza even without speaking. Uh, that's how we will respond to that rejection. Now the Gemara has a third proof, uh, and we'll see: is this a good proof or not? Uh, that there's that uh, even if she's uh, she was entered into the marriage as a chareshes, as a deaf mute, could she do chalitza? Could she not do chalitza? 
We'll see from this proof. Esave, also from the next chapter, from the same Mishnah. Shnei Achin, we have two brothers. Echa Pikeach Lechacherich. One of them is a Pikeach, is healthy, is able to speak, and is able to listen. The other one can't, is deaf mute. In this case, this makes it also complicated. They're married to two women. Each one is married to, to, to they're married to a wife. However, these the two brothers marry two sisters. And not only did two brothers marry two sisters, but the one who was able to speak married the wife who's able to speak, and the one who's not able to speak married the one who's not able to speak. So in this case, it gets complicated. So if the one who dies is the deaf mute, which was a rabbinic marriage, so what does his wife do in terms of Yibam Rechelitza? We say, they do nothing. She's totally exempt. Why? Because her brother-in-law is also her married to her sister. And so therefore, it's what we refer to as an erva, the very beginning of Yivamos. She's uh, related to him. Besides for being her, his brother's wife, it's also his wife's sister. And uh, that marriage was on a biblical level, so she's totally exempt. It's his wife's uh, sister. However, if it's the other way around, if um, the, the biblical marriage, he dies, the husband dies from the biblical marriage, so then what does the one that has a rabbinic marriage, the, two, uh, the, the, the couple that they're both deaf-mute, and it only works on a rabbinic level, what do they do? Motzias ishto beget. So he has to divorce his own wife, the, the deaf mute, with a divorce document. Why? Because now he has a connection. He has the Zika connection with, on a biblical level with, with his wife's sister. And that's on a stronger level because that's a biblical connection. So he has to divorce his wife. And he's, he's always going to be forbidden to his brother's wife. Why? Because even though it's on a biblical level, but on a rabbinic level, he was, it's, it's his wife's or ex-wife's uh, sister. And even if, it's, even if it's an ex-wife, that, that on a rabbinic level, you cannot do yibam. So it's forbidden forever. Stimura says here too, What's the case here? Are we actually dealing with a case where um, the husband uh, was healthy originally, was able to talk and was able to listen, and then only later on he changed? Me matzimapik. Is he able to even divorce his wife? We have the following halacha, and this is really, uh, you know, it's going to be part of the whole, part of the whole proof. We have the following halacha that first of all, when it comes to her, if she in general a, a divorce document can be given against her will. So it, even if she's deaf mute, she could still accept the divorce document. She doesn't need uh, proper knowledge and proper awareness because she she could even get divorced against her will. However, the rabbi said that if she's not just deaf-mute, but uh, she's totally different, she's a shota, she's, uh, she's uh, not in touch with reality, she's uh, uh, hallucinating, she's not in touch with reality, uh, so then we don't say that the divorce works because we don't want her to go free and to be by herself. We want somebody to take care of her, we, so therefore we'll say a divorce won't work. However, and that's really not connected to what we're discussing, but that's what the mission says, however, the mission continues and says that if he is a deaf mute, right? If he's a deaf mute, then he meaning he became a deaf mute. Originally, he was able to talk. They got married. It's a biblical marriage. He had. If he becomes a deaf mute, there's no way he could divorce his wife, because you need his knowledge. He and, and he's not. He's not aware. 
um, he doesn't have sufficient knowledge and awareness as, as a deaf mute, um, so he's not never allowed to divorce his wife because they were biblically married. He was healthy, able to speak when they originally got married. Things changed. So now he's not never able to divorce his wife. So therefore, what we just mentioned before, that he has to divorce his wife, it must be referring to El Alad B'cherish Me'ikara. Uh, essentially, the proof is that so therefore it must be a case where he was deaf mute the entire time. It was a rabbinic marriage, and that's how he could divorce his wife. If he was a deaf mute the entire time, that means she was a deaf mute the whole entire time. That means the entire mission that we've been discussing is where they were deaf mutes the entire time. So then you could go back to the other cases that we've been discussing where they're deaf mutes the entire time, and we see that you can only do Yibam and you can't do Chalitza. Seems to be a pretty good proof. Rava stays quiet. He has no answer. He has no response to this. A pretty good proof to the fact that we were rejecting this, this position that says that if she entered into the marriage and was a rabbinic marriage because she entered into the marriage as a deaf mute, so then she could do chalitza. We see that it's not the case. Because all these cases where they were deaf mutes the entire time, and we can't do chalitza. We see from the Mishnah that you're not allowed to do chalitza. Pretty good proof against Rava. Therefore, we're stuck with the first answer. Seemingly, we have, we're stuck with the first answer, which says that, you know what? A Kharash is somebody who's deaf mute. Whether she's deaf mute the whole time or not, she cannot do Chalitza. No matter what, she can't do Chalitza. The Gemara now continues. We'll, we'll continue with the Gemara for a, a few more lines uh, to bring another proof. He also, the commander of Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Amrlay, when they went in front of Yosef, Amrlay, my time at Tosvim, uh, why you bring me a proof from a different stage in the Mishnah where you could perhaps uh, poke holes and say, you know what, maybe there are different cases. I have a better proof. I can bring you the following proof. Why? Because it says, You have a case here. Two brothers who are deaf-mute. They marry two sisters. And those two sisters, it doesn't make a difference what their status is. Whether they're both able to speak, or whether they're both not able to speak, or whether one is able to speak, the other one's unable to speak. The point is that the husband, both brothers, are deaf-mute. Or the following case. Or if you have two sisters... And they're both deaf-mute. And they're married either to two brothers who are both deaf-mute, or they're both not deaf-mute, or one is deaf-mute and the other one's not. The point is that since the two sisters are deaf-mute, or the cases where the two brothers are deaf-mute, it's all rabbinic marriages across the board. The point is that they're all rabbinic marriages because somebody in the marriage is a cheresh, is a deaf-mute, so it's not a biblical marriage. It's only a rabbinic marriage. So if it's only a rabbinic marriage, uh, so in that case, uh, we will say... That if you do yibum, uh, they're they're totally exempt. They're two sis- brothers who are married to two sisters. It's all on a rabbinic level. They're exempt from doing yibum or chalitza because they are related to each other. But if they're not related, if it's not two sisters, so then you could do yibum. And if you want to get divorced, you could do, get divorced. The Gemara says, essentially, we mentioned that if he's a cherish, if he's deaf mute and they do yibum, then they could get divorced. If they want, they could get divorced. Must be that if they're getting divorced, 
you must be talking about a case where he was a deaf mute the entire time. He was always a deaf mute. So if he was always a deaf mute, the cases where she was also always a deaf mute. And this this uh, this Mishnah itself says that even if they're even though they're both deaf mutes the entire time, that you cannot do chalitza. The Mish, this Mishnah says that you're not allowed to do chalitza. You have to do yibam. Uh, again, the cases where they're 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 not sisters, uh, so there's the potential for yibam. We say you have to yibam. You can't do chalitza. So this itself is also a proof. This is also a proof to the fact that if uh, as long as she's deaf mute, uh, it doesn't have to be that even if she was deaf mute from the entire time and it was only a rabbinic marriage, if she's a deaf mute, uh, so then all you could do, the only option is to do yibam, and you can't do chalitza. The reason, again, the reason why you can't do chalitza is because chalitza requires that the person has the ability to speak. Uh, because there's a, a part of it is to speak. If you're able to speak, it might not be required to speak, but it, because it's only it's not an essential part, but it's essential for the person to have the ability to speak. And uh, this person doesn't have the ability to speak, even if they the entire marriage is rabbinic because they entered into the marriage as a deaf mute. Doesn't make a difference. To the end, the whole point of this gemara is to, is to prove Rava wrong, the second answer wrong, and to say that no matter what, if she's deaf mute, she can never uh, do chalitza regardless of whether the marriage was rabbinic or biblical to begin with. Uh, So this concludes this part of the Gemara, and we will begin the next part of the Gemara in the next recording.